Alexander. Shabbat for three. Bingo! Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. He is hard to believe. Here's Jordan. What's going on, guys? Welcome to Dime Dropper 24 Minute Recaps, episode number 18. Before we get started, please make sure to subscribe on all platforms YouTube at Dime Dropper Podcasts, Apple and Spotify, Dime Dropper Podcast, and of course to follow us on social media at Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Dime Dropper Pod. So, for tonight's recap, four great nationally televised games. It was a nice matinee of basketball, much better than Christmas. And, oh boy, what an interesting one we just had. I gotta say, because you Laker fans love it so much when the Clippers lose or choke, I'm just gonna let out on behalf of Clipper Nation. (laughs) You suckers, man. You want to talk all that shit about us getting our, you know, coming, you know, blowing leads? Well, a 19-point lead squandered by the Lakers, an absolute choke job in the fourth quarter. They came out, once again, Lakers, again, starting great. They they start out so well. Schroeder was abusing the big men when they were switching on to him at the top. It was Wiseman in the beginning, and he was getting just in foul trouble. He was having a tough time, whether it was AD on the offensive glass. I really liked how aggressive AD was in the beginning of the game on the glass. And Schroeder was getting whatever he wanted at will. I think he had 17 points or so in the first half. And Steph wasn't making anything. And Draymond was kind of being a liability on offense. And it looked like the Lakers were just going to run away with it. And, you know, slowly the Warriors would make some runs. Their second unit was fantastic tonight. Pascal, he's a certified bucket. I mean, 19 minutes of play, he had 19 points. 8 of 11 from the field. He, Trez could not stop him. Trez actually had a good night off the bench, too, in terms of scoring. 7 of 8, 17 points, getting his... You know, offensive rebound, just finishing down low. He gets his hustle points. But once again, I think Vogel, he's doing this too much. He's leaving Trez out there too long. Marcus Gasol only played 16 minutes tonight, and he had one foul, and he was plus four. Marcus Gasol is a totally different presence down there defensively than, than Tra- Montrader. They are going to attack him, and that's exactly what they were doing. How many points in the paint did the Warriors have in the fourth quarter? And the Lakers, LeBron and Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis a little bit, but he really tailed off as the game went on. And once again, guys, we've talked about this before. How do you guard AD? You put a smaller guy on him that's strong. And, you know, they stopped putting Wiseman on him tonight. It was a lot more Wiggins, Oubre, Pascal, Looney, Different kinds of small, smaller guys that could take hits. If I'm forgetting someone, drop it in the comments. But AD, smaller guys with length that can get physical, force him away from the basket, and that's what happened today. And AD was just missing some open ones, you know, in the fourth quarter. And LeBron, he's been so good this season, but th- he just did not come to play tonight at all. He was traveling across the world. He was missing free throws again, five of eight from the line tonight. Just didn't look, he, every, by the way, it's so ridiculous how much this dude complains whenever he gets touched going to the basket. Like, sometimes he doesn't even get back on defense, he just wants to bitch. And it's so not what you want to show your kids to do. 
and the Warriors exploited that at times, but you know, you still thought the game was over because Kuz was starting to hit some threes at the end of the third quarter, but the fourth quarter, Lakers complacent. How many times did you, they let Andrew Wiggins come up and shoot wide open threes? Like, dude, Wiggins has been playing great this season. You got to know your personnel there. And Kelly Oubre, you know, a guy who is just not having a good time shooting the ball. He clearly overestimates himself as a three-point shooter. But what about the heart on defense from that guy every single night? He was fantastic, taking the challenge of guarding LeBron and guarding multiple guys, you know, AD at times. He was just awesome, Kelly Oubre, in terms of the defense. He plays so hard. He doesn't get deterred by missing shots, and that is huge. And the Lakers not only did that, they went stagnant offensively. They were just turning the ball over. The ball was like slipping out of their hands. And LeBron and AD just did not set a tone tonight. They just, it was mostly the role players that were really getting him going in the beginning. LeBron and Anthony Davis, especially LeBron, it was just garbage tonight in my opinion. Just really garbage. But it's okay. You know, he's still having an MVP campaign. That happens and it's a lesson learned for the Lakers. You cannot take your foot off the gas. You got to give some credit to the Warriors though. Pascal, great in the fourth quarter. Damian Lee, big shots in the fourth quarter. Stephen Curry, you know, he wasn't having a good night, but in the end of the game, Steph Curry was making big shots. That 30-footer he hit, wow. And then, you know, what about Dennis Schroeder missing a big free throw? How about, how about, have you guys noticed this? Between the finals and tonight, have you guys noticed that Steph Curry does a good job guarding LeBron? It's very weird, but he does a good job guarding LeBron. Anyway, terrible loss for the Lakers. Absolute choke job, Clipper style. Uh, take your L, Laker fans. It was a long time coming because you guys have been playing ass teams for a while. So this tells you you can't just run away with it anymore. But I expect the Lakers to come out next game. I don't know who they're playing and beat the brakes off of them because this may piss them off. Anyway, that's it for the Laker game tonight. Let's go on to the best game of the night. This was very entertaining. Milwaukee and Brooklyn. It was James Harden's second game. It was a very interesting start. KD started off struggling a little bit. James Harden, again, you could tell he was in that mode of, I'm just, I'm trying to get everybody involved. DeAndre Jordan was having his best game of the season by far. He was guarding Giannis to start the game, but he was sitting in the paint. And you know what Giannis does? All he wants to do is get a full head of steam. My friend uh, made a hilarious joke today. Every single play is Giannis <laughs> halfback dive. He goes to the basket, and DeAndre Jordan, when he doesn't have to move his feet, he doesn't have to come out, if he just stands there and makes himself big, that's what he's great at because he's strong, and he was getting his, his hand on a couple of balls with Giannis. He was contesting him at the rim, and you know, getting out and contesting certain shots, and Giannis was missing some easy ones to start, but who was able to pick up the slack? Chris Middleton, who really I've started to gain a whole lot of respect for. You know, he doesn't have a very fancy bag. He doesn't have a very fancy kind of thing, but we talked about in the opening night or Christmas uh, pod. I think it was opening night when they played the Celtics. Dude, That he has some of these pull-ups down to a science. You know, he has a decent mid-post game. Chris Middleton is a tough shot maker. He's the closer of this team. And how about Drew Holiday, who I swear to God, he needs to be in that defensive player of the year running this season, man, because he is just fantastic. I love watching him play defense. He was picking off, I'm sorry, he was picking up James Harden full court. And I was just like, wow, like, He's just amazing. He was guarding Kevin Durant and doing a good job at times. Drew Holiday, he's just one of the best defenders in the league. Honestly, I think the best perimeter defender, one-on-one defender in the league. He needs to be in that defensive player of the year consideration. Like, if, and he's, if he's not first team, then the media is, comp- I mean, they're already completely invalidated, but if they don't do it again, they, they just really suck. But I thought it was interesting because 
DeAndre Jordan, yeah, he was playing really well, getting some nice lobs. And, you know, James Harden and DeAndre Jordan are starting to build some chemistry on that lob. And James Harden is one of the best pick-and-roll threats in the league. And DeAndre Jordan was famous for with Chris Paul and with us in Lob City, a good roller. He's obviously not the same bouncy kind of guy. But slowly but surely, you know, teams are going to have to make decisions. When Harden's being aggressive, and I like the way Harden played today, still too many turnovers. Six of them came in the first half, but he didn't turn the ball over in the second half. And that's something you got to love if you're a Nets fan from James. And James has done a good job, in my opinion, so far of not over-dribbling, of not doing too much, of knowing his role. And after the game, he came out and said, Kevin Durant's the best player on the team. So he's basically admitted that he's not the number one on a championship team. Maybe he can be number two. Kind of like what Chris Paul did when he went to Harden. And I really respect that, actually. Self-reflection. And I thought James, you know, was a didn't have much self-reflection. But, you know, as I said last episode, maybe that time of his career is over. And maybe he's just willing to do what's needed to win. And I really, sometimes he would get a little too passive for me tonight. But in the fourth quarter, he started taking things into his own hands and... He would call out screens so he can get the Bucks to switch Holiday off of him. And he was taking Connaughton, DiVincenzo, different guys one-on-one. And he was getting into the lane. And I thought DiVincenzo was actually doing a really good job guarding Harden. Because as I said in the previous episodes, the best way to guard Harden is to try to bait him into a step back. But try to force him right. But Harden wasn't settling. And this is when Harden's unstoppable, when he goes to the basket. And he was finishing some tough floaters with the right hand, getting into the lane. And I just thought that he was playing just really well, pretty aggressively, and just taking what came to him. 3 of 10, exactly the same from 3 as the last game, but 13 of 25 overall, and he really took over that fourth quarter. He had a 12 to 6, 2 to 1 assist to turnover ratio tonight, which was much better. KD was starting to play a lot better in the second half. You knew the shots were just going to fall, even though the Bucks were doing a good job of just getting a hand up and, you know, more attention with KD. You know, he'd go left, and a second defender would come to get a hand up last second before he shot it, but Caesar McCollum said it best in a tweet tonight. You know, KD is the type of guy you just got to put your hand up and hope he misses because he can make shots on everybody. And as the game went on, Kevin Durant started doing that. He finished with another 30-point game. And James Harden late in the game, he missed a three, but he followed his own shot. I mean, that's great. And, you know, here's the thing. We talk about Harden's lack of off-ball movement. But, you know, running the point, you know, he doesn't have to do as much of that. You know, he passes the ball or he initiates the offense and then lets the ball work its way around. And the ball was working its way around to the role players tonight. Joe Harris is second straight game with Harden and his second straight great game. 7 of 12 on the field, 5 of 7 from 3, 20 points for Joe. So when you have him scoring 20 to go along with 34, 6, and 12 assists from Harden and then you have 30 from Kevin, that's great. And another guy that's really benefiting off of James is Jeff Green. They played with each other, as we said, in Houston. And those pick and pops, I mean, Jeff Green was splashing it tonight. Five of six on the field, four of five from three, 14 points. He was having some trouble with Giannis, though. And I like how Giannis, as the game went on, he started knocking down some jumpers. He started getting way more aggressive. And that's one thing I love about Giannis is he doesn't quit. He's very relentless. He's very physical. And, you know, he doesn't, you know, get a... I'm sorry, he continues to stay aggressive. And that's one thing I really like about Giannis. But, you know, in the fourth quarter, you know that he's not the closer. It's kind of a Shaq situation in a way where he just can't get the ball because of his free throw shooting, and that's a huge liability. And he wasn't, you know, he does, he's not confident in his jumper, even though he was actually not bad at it tonight. He finished 13 of 26 and 2 of 6 from 3. But because Giannis gets a lot of, like, 
I don't want to say filler points, but like points that go unnoticed, just kind of hustle points. Because the Nets were starting to fall asleep on defense in the fourth quarter. DeAndre a couple times. You know, the Nets had a wide open Giannis dunk, and then there was a Brooke Lopez wide open three. This was getting the Bucks back in the game. But ultimately, that hardened offensive rebound kicked to a Kevin Durant three, put him up by two, and then Middleton missed. And the Nets come out with two consecutive victories, staying undefeated with the since Harden's come. You've got to give Harden credit for the way he's played so far. The question is, though... What's going to happen with Kyrie comes back? Because I actually don't think this is a bad dynamic. However, DeAndre Jordan will not play like this every night. This was his best game of the season by far, a large a large part because Giannis is stra- you know, his game is to just charge inside and DeAndre Jordan doesn't need to guard outside of like the foul line against him. He can sag off. So he was 6 of 6 tonight DJ 12 and 12 uh 12 rebounds of course. But that was the game the Nets bench just terrible. You know, besides Bruce Brown, who brought 22 minutes of good energy and defense with eight points and six rebounds, but it was a good win for the Nets. The Bucks, they'll be fine. Just got to come back next game. I thought that their bench sold them short. DJ Augustine, I thought, was pretty ass. 0 of 7, and Bryn Forbes just couldn't make it. 2 of 7, 0 of 2 from 3. The Nets move on to 9 and 6. Let's go on to the next game, which was also very interesting. We hadn't seen our Phoenix Suns, one of our dime dropper teams, in a while, and Today, they came out sharp in the first quarter, you know, with this sense of, you know, we haven't played in a while, flying around on defense. Cam Johnson got the start today instead of Crowder. I didn't really love that. I don't think Crowder was in nearly the same rhythm as he usually is. But, that you know, the, the Suns did a good job in the first quarter. They were up 24-18 to 18 after one. But this Grizzlies team, it reminded me of when they played the Lakers twice, where they started out really poor, but then in that second quarter, they finally started to gain some rhythm. And a lot of it's with the bench. I've noticed Gorgie Jang and Grayson Allen are starting to form a nice little connection off the bench. And you know what? Grayson Allen, I know he's not the most popular guy in the world, but dude... That guy is an NBA player. Like he can, He's a smart player. He played at Duke for, what, three or four years? He can play and pick and roll. He's a decent shot maker. And he really plays defense too, Grayson Allen. And him and Gorgie Jang had some nice pick and rolls. He got the Grizzlies, helped get the Grizzlies back in the game. And Kyle Anderson, man, you know, when you look at this Grizzlies record, they are 7-6 and six, and John Morant missed several games. And they haven't had Jaron Jackson Jr. in one game. So that means that Kyle Anderson, you know, these different guys, Brandon Clark, who I thought was awesome today, these guys deserve a lot of credit. Kyle Anderson, my second favorite college player of all time. Love that guy. He's starting to look like a real NBA player. But the Suns, you know, this Devin Booker was really struggling. And once again, it comes down to, I know the Suns like to win by committee, but they just, today, the only one of the big three that I thought was good enough was Ayton, which is hilarious because that's usually not the case. But I really saw some great things from DeAndre Ayton today. Even though the, the Suns were down four at half, it was very even in the third quarter. And DeAndre Ayton had a couple of moments where he had a smaller guy on him and he actually dunked the ball. And there was this one play where he spun baseline and threw down a reverse dunk. I literally lost it. Got out of my seat and just lost it because that is literally what DeAndre Ayton is capable of doing. Punishing these little dudes he because he actually has skill. He doesn't need to do that. Like he doesn't need to... I'm sorry, he needs to do that. He needs to be aggressive. He needs to punish these dudes, little guys. And Chris Paul, he wasn't great for me today. He missed a couple mid-ranges that he literally makes in his sleep. And another thing, obviously, every Clipper fan knows this, but Chris Paul's signature thing when he gets a big guy switched on to him is he likes to lull him like he's going to go by him and then he settles for a three contested, but he usually makes it. 
However, that's the type of shot that when that doesn't go in, it's just not a good shot because he's a point guard traditionally against a bigger guy. You're supposed to try to blow by him. And Chris Paul, especially in today's league, you're going to get foul calls at the basket. And Chris Paul, you know, took a couple of those and didn't make it. And then he committed a couple of careless turnovers that are very uncharacteristic of Chris. Yeah, six turnovers for Chris Paul. That's just not Chris at all. And, in the, you know, it's funny because Aiden was still playing well. Mikhail Bridges was playing well, as he, he always does. I mean, Mikhail's very consistent. I thought Javon Carter was good off the bench, too. He had eight points. Mikhail had 17. But, yeah, Crowder was 2-7. of seven. He just didn't get that same kind of burn. I think Monty should go back to starting him. But Devin Booker is kind of the main reason, in my opinion, they lost the game. In the fourth quarter, they were up a couple points, and he was missing everything. Like, he was missing dunks. He missed a dunk, guys. And then missing, you know, classic pull-ups. He didn't shoot one free throw tonight. Not Booker and not Chris Paul. They did not shoot, you know, go to the basket enough at all. And John Morant made some incredible plays down the stretch. John Morant is one of my favorite young players in this league. He had this incredible baseline scoop pass to Grayson Allen off a split that gave the Grizzlies the lead. It was a fantastic play. He started making free throws down the stretch. And yeah, the Suns, they really choked it. Mikhail Bridges, Jay Crowder, some of these guys had open threes in the fourth. But to no avail, and the Suns dropped one of the worst losses they've had in the season. Outside of the Detroit game, this was the worst loss of the season for the Suns. Devin Booker just cannot play like that. And Chris Paul, at the same time, playing like that. You got to give credit to John Moran and the Grizzlies. Grayson Allen, who Grayson Allen finished with 16 points and 6 boards. So I thought he was very impressive. John Morant, 17-10. and 10. But yeah, Devin Booker, 12 points, 5 of 21, just not going to cut it. Chris Paul, 7 and 13, but seven tur- or 6 turnovers, that's not going to cut it either. So not a good loss for the Suns. I expect them to bounce back. Now they're 7 and 5. So it's starting to get very testy in the Western Conference. Now let's finish it off with the Hawks back in action after losing two straight. Uh, they were back home today, early game against the Wolves, another dime dropper team, but no Carl Anthony Towns. So I was looking at this game as a must win for the Hawks kind of thing. And once again, it was so similar to the Blazers game where Trey Young set the tone by being a facilitator that's not just facilitating in the pick and roll for, for him. It was, you know, pushing the ball, passing it up the floor and, you know, trusting other guys to make plays. And DeAndre Hunter was doing that. And Kevin Herter was doing that. Kevin Herter had eight assists tonight. And that's just what's possible. Trey Young finding open guys. Kevin Herter, DeAndre Hunter. And you know who needs to be shouted out tonight? Again, Clint Capella. And you know what you're going to get from him. He's a great roller. You know, he gets offensive rebounds. He had four of those today. He He's not bad finishing around the basket against the smaller guy when they're on him. He can't really score like one-on-one feed to Capella. He's not that type of guy. But, you know, on a scramble, on a rotation where he gets a smaller guy, you can toss it down to him. Or he takes advantage of a smaller guy on a switch and gets rebounds. He was blocking shots. I mean, let's see how many blocks Capella had tonight. Three blocks. So, I really liked what I was seeing. The Wolves kind of started inching back. But Trey Young, even in foul trouble, he had five fouls. But the, the Hawks, as I said, this is a talented team that they do not need Trey Young to do everything that he does. And I think that he's starting to realize that. He was only three of eight from the field. And he shot 12 of 13 from the line. So he shot more free throws than than field goals, which is good. That means he was being aggressive, getting to the basket. And 20 points, 8 boards, 13 assists, which was a very solid line from Trey. However, the Hawks against a better team may have been in trouble because they turned the ball over in an absurd amount of times. 24 turnovers for the Hawks. That's just ridiculous. However, 
Brandon Goodwin, even though the bench for the Hawks wasn't very good, I thought Tony Snell and Brandon Goodwin weren't bad. Even though Brandon Goodwin was one of ten, you got to watch the games because this guy, he works without the ball. He plays hard. He hustles. You know, he spots up. He just does the right things on the court. But I really think that the star today was DeAndre Hunter. I thought that the Hawks did a good job of forcing some turnovers and getting out and running and getting some easy baskets. There was one time they made me so happy. It was a, a fast break, and they didn't ruin it by taking a three. It was a three... Uh, a three-on-two break or something, or a three-on-one. It was a three-on-one, and Kevin Herter and DeAndre Hunter made some quick passes to each other, a little give-and-go, running, filling the lanes, and getting a layup on a fast break. I mean, that's called basketball. That is what you do on a fast break, not that garbage three stuff. 26 points off turnovers for the Hawks, and DeAndre Hunter just... I really like that kid, man. He's not He wasn't a one-and-done. He played at Virginia. Much like Malcolm Brogdon, he's got a good eye for the game. He's improving. You know, I, I like when he gets to the basket. He hits his open shots. He's open threes, open mid-ranges. And he's even able to, you know, come up a screen sometimes if the defender of the big man is sagging off too, too much, dropping too deep. He can pull up. You know, sometimes you can't even go under the screen on him. 8 of 15 for DeAndre Hunter, 3 of 6 from 3. He was my player of the game with a season-high 25 points. Capella, a close second, and also John Collins. You know, I would like if John Collins could develop a post game, but once again, as we talked about, is the NBA getting better and better? It's just not really taught anymore. But John Collins, I liked his activity today. He was really flying around on defense. You know, we've talked about, you know, there's some games where John Collins looks very average on defense, like lost, you know, not communicating, not rotating where he needs to be. You know, he's a young player. And then sometimes when the Hawks go small, you know, he's only 6'8", so he's not a true center. Teams like to attack the rim on him. He's not, you know, the strongest guy when it comes to, you know, rim protection. And he does have bounce, but he's only 6'8", so it's not the same as a guy like a Capella down there. But John Collins today was very active, great help defense, you know, switching in the right moments when he needs to be, taking some hits to the chest, Four blocks for John Collins. I thought even though 15 points and six of eight, you know, you'd think he needs to shoot more, which he probably did. But I just thought his defense was great. I thought the energy was great. And this is a really good win for the Hawks because I think it's just great that Trey Young only shot eight times. And you can see, look at the look at the lines for the Hawks. The starting lineup, 17 from Herter, 15 from Collins, 25 from DeAndre, 23 for Capella, and 20 from Trey. So all the starters had 15 or more, and that comes from Trey Young. This team goes how he goes. And if he buys in like that, this Hawks team will make the playoffs at at least the play-in. Six and seven for the Hawks. That was a big win. DeAndre Hunter, as I said, my player of the game, but they need to limit the turnovers. And I was ex- I was happy to see the Hawks actually keeping a lead in the fourth quarter. 30 to 26. They actually outscored the Wolves in the fourth. And if you're the Wolves, by the way, Ryan Saunders needs to be questioned because D'Angelo Russell, there is absolutely no reason that without Cat that he should be playing only 32 minutes. It needs to be 35 or or more, Malik Beasley, as great of a season as he's had, should not be playing more than D'Lo. D'Lo had 31 points tonight, 11 to 22, and was just in his bag, and I just do not understand it. Ryan Saunders, I think that they may need a coaching change. I liked Flip Saunders. I mean, his dad, rest in peace, great coach, very good coach, but I don't know, man. I just don't know if this guy is the right guy for this team. D'Angelo Russell deserves a bit more respect, and with the amount of games that Cat is missing, I just don't think that this team is going to do what I expected him to do, which was to get like the 10 seed or fight for that play-in. But, you know, it is what it is. Great win for the Hawks. Clint Capella's rolling. DeAndre Hunter is rolling. And I think that's it. Now we're going to go to the live chat with the YouTube subscribers. Please, uh, by the way, Super Chats are on if you want to drop a dime for your boy. Thank you so much. Please tell me what you need. Uh, Please tell me what you want to see 
going forward. Or, I'm sorry, please tell me um, what you thought of the episode. We're at 24 minutes. Shout out to Bean. By the way, speaking of Kobe, I have a very special episode planned about Kobe and his NBA Finals. Two of them that he lost, and then the, the two that he lost. I'm going to be making an episode around with my friend. We watched the two series back to break it down. And then we're going to have a uh, why Kobe's Lakers went back-to-back in response to that to celebrate the success as we approach the one-year tragedy uh, since it happened. Thanks for joining me. Peace.